Last week on Weekend at Effie's, Effie turned straight. Effie visited England, and Effie witnessed a murder. Now, we return to the boys. Well, I mean, after everything went down that way, we went up the street and tried to reconvene. Now, not to make light of things, we're back. This is part two of our England episode, uh, the UK as it is. The first episode full of lots of things. Currently, if you're listening, I am in Japan. I have hopefully survived. I'm, I'm hoping this isn't a posthumous episode, uh, but I'm a little nervous. We'll discuss this first. A lot of matches announced for Japan, violent matches. The most violent, though, happening pretty early in my Japan stay against Jun Kasai. Now, you looked up a little bit about Jun Kasai, did you not? I did. I was. I found out there's a wrestler called Wife Beater, which is... There is. Um, not problematic at all. Uh, he's in the Hall of Fame now, don't worry. Uh, yeah, so Jun Kasai, the crazy monkey, he is one of the most decorated deathmatch wrestlers of all time, one of the most innovative deathmatch wrestlers of all time, one of the most violent people in all of wrestling. I'm going to wrestle him in Japan. I'm very excited. I think this is going to be crazy. I think we're going to have a heavy moment. I think a lot of people who know Effie know that this will be quite crazy and psychotic. Uh, but if you don't know Effie and you just think I'm a little gay boy who does butt spots, you're only half right because I'm also a very gifted uh, deathmatch wrestler, I believe, in my heart. <coughs> but this will be the biggest test of all in Japan, fighting Junkasai. I could be killed. I don't know. After we witnessed the uh, issue, issue, I'll just say it. After we witnessed a man die, uh, we had to reconvene. Now, not to bring light to it, but I'm going to bring it up. Tony Deppin almost got in like four fights while we were there in the UK because Tony Deppin likes to fight people. And at this particular stop, I stopped and got a piece of pizza. And Tony Deppin was like at the kebab shop and got in a fight with the kebab guy. And then left the kebab shop, went to another kebab shop, bought a kebab, went back to the other kebab shop, ate it in front of the guy and screamed, fuck you. And it was the funniest shit I've ever seen. I needed the levity of that. Now, he was dead serious about it. But I needed the levity of Tony Depp and spite eating a kebab in front of another kebab man because the kebab man was being rude to him. Uh, it was incredible. So we go out. This night we're out with Martina. We start at Coyote Ugly. And I don't want to be offensive here. They, in the States, it's kind of ironic. Uh, there, it's it was rough. Now, they've got a style of eyebrow there called the brow. You know about the brow? Mm-mm. brow is this eyebrow. And it's like, you take your eyebrows, but you make them as big as you can, make them almost touch, overdraw them, and then you get your lips. Big as you can get your lips. So... I was scrolling through Tinder with someone who was there. I'm not going to say who. I don't need to say who. We were looking at all the girls. They all have this very thick, like Helga Pataki unibrow. And then like the biggest lips you can have is the style of the town. It's the Scouser style. So like you go to Coyote Ugly and you're not, I think the tipping's different with strippers there. Like the strip clubs there, you just get dances. They don't have like girls out in the open because you don't want to throw fives at them and it's coins otherwise. <laughs> you know, you can't throw a $2 coin at a girl. It's painful. But if you tip at the bar, the Coyote girls will do a dance. I said, folks, we need to get to the gay bar. So we go dance at this straight bar for a second just to like get the vibes up and see what's up. And Janella looks at me, and at one point he goes, this guy looks like Kip Sabian. And Kip Sabian is a British member of the AEW roster. And I look around the room, and I go, 
Dude, they all look like Kip Sabian. It turns out Kip Sabian just looks like every British dude who's out at the bar with the skin fade and the little light beard and drinking a Pims and yelling. But I did notice that the gay bars had a bigger variety of gender in them than the straight bars because the straight bars were just like dudes in a circle and the gay bars were like everyone. So really, by going to the gay bars, you actually kind of like could see more than just like dudes in a circle. It was... It's like the girls knew not to go to the straight bars, but the straight guys hadn't been told. You know what I mean? Yeah. We got out of there and we took a big Motley crew back down. We said, this isn't fun. We're going to the gay bars. So we took a big Motley crew back down to the gay bars. Once again, Peter, we danced. Now, we had all witnessed some heavy shit. You know, the week before we discussed this, I really don't want to get into it again. But back to the dancing, this is the best cardio workout of my life. And I, I don't really have thoughts of like, oh, I wonder what they're thinking about me. But I especially don't have thoughts of what they're thinking about me when I'm in another country. I don't care. I have no clue. I'm clueless. Uh, we danced all fucking night. We were up on the tables. We were up in the platforms. We were in the cages. We were all just dancing, having the time of our life. I made it a little later, but eventually I was like, dude, I'm out of here once again. I'm, I'm going to go to bed. We got back to the apartment, had a cuppa. That electric kettle. Did we talk about the electric mm -hmm. kettle? My God, I need one so bad. And I'm, I'm in Japan right now saying the same thing. I need an electric kettle. I know they'll have one in every one of our apartments. Got um, back and had a couple. The toilet situation is going to be incredible when you go over there. I'm fascinated. I'm quite <laughs> fascinated to learn about this toilet situation. I've heard many things about the toilets in Japan. I'm not sure. You're going to get a kettle from your UK trip and you're going to get a bidet from your Japan trip. I love a bidet, Peter. We're a bidet household, Peter. I wouldn't, every time I'm not at home with my bidet, I'm very sad. I've never felt clean before I got my bidet. Now I have a bidet, I'm a clean man. It's changed everything about our life. You want to talk about butt stuff? Not without a bidet. You know what I mean? <laughs> bidet, badoo, badoo, you do bidet. Get a bidet, folks. It's not that hard to install. If I can install a bidet, you can install a bidet. We get back, we take a little rest. We decide that this Saturday, it's our last day in Liverpool. We're going to be leaving the next morning. I have one more match. And this is a pretty big match, and we'll get to it. But it is historic for the LGBTQ. Now, turns out brunch is actually a term that originated in Britain. Beautiful. It's a British term. I said, what's the British term for brunch? And they said, the Brits came up with brunch. And so I think that based on my research uh, that we're probably going to be able to have a United Kingdom version of a big gay brunch. If it doesn't kill me first, we'll see. We'll get to that. We woke up and I said to myself, I'm in England and I haven't gone shopping one bit. So we took the whole crew out to go shopping. And I said, Shay, where do we need to go? Shay was our wonderful guide. The best, the best Welsh boy you could ask for. He said, we've got to go to Primark. And I said, but what about TK Maxx? Well, I'm pretty sure they're called TK Maxx here because the Welsh language, even though we're not in Wales, we're in Liverpool, they don't have a J in their language. So I think just for ease of sakes, if it was called TJ Maxx, it'd be very confusing for people who don't have that letter in their alphabet. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Well, I said, what about the TK Maxx? He said, it's more expensive than the Premark. But the Premark looked nicer. Dog, Premark is something else. Are you familiar with Premark? I am not. Holy fuck. Three full floors of the cheapest clothing you could imagine in your life. I'm talking about denims and fake Telfar bags and socks and acid SpongeBob things and like... It was phenomenal. So I get a whole fucking outfit from the pre-mark just to make sure I can go out on the town again. I don't want to get caught up. I've been having to wear the same outfits. And uh, then I start walking up the street. We see Ross from Progress and we go have a meat pie with him. Uh, Shay is vegan. 
And so he knows where all the cool vegan spots are. And he goes, they've got a vegan meat pie. And we went and Peter, I don't know if I should tell this next thing. Cause I, I doubt he'll listen to this. Um, I mentioned while we were at lunch that sometimes when people meet me for the first time, it can go a few ways. I mentioned about how like, uh, some people retire after they wrestle me or some people have bad things happen in their life after they see me, if it's a karmic measure. And that's just kind of the first time they meet me. turns out the guy we had lunch with, I think he was fired the next day. So kind of came true. Uh, either way, we went to the pie minister. I got meat pies. Now here's how they serve the meat pies. This is what's first. I got appetizers, which they served me chicharrones with applesauce. Phenomenal. Very weird. Then they served me olives. I love olives. And the third item menu, what was it? Oh, fried halloumi, which is like a Greek cheese with a sauce. Got that as the appetizer. Ordered two espressos that I promptly drank very quickly. Then I had my meat pie, which was served on a bed of mashed potatoes with mushy peas all on top. And then you soak it in gravy. And it was a tikka masala meat pie. And I ate, I think that was the biggest meal I had while I was in the UK because I wasn't eating as much, but I needed to be. I was wasting a lot of sweat out there dancing. The Liverpool nightlife for the gay scene is incredible. I was I was very dehydrated. And I said, if I'm going to beat up this gay wrestler tonight and show them who the real queen is. Now, I did cut a promo for my Sunday match with Progress before the queen died. And I said, Effie's coming over to end the monarchy. And boy, damn sure did I come close. <laughs> okay, who died? Who was the other person? Because I got a. Okay, it was a prank. It was a prank. I got okay. pranked. They were pranking that Ringo Starr had died. And I thought he did. And I said, we can't come back here. If we come to G- if GCW comes to the UK and we kill the Queen and Ringo Starr, there's a problem. I was Googling. They and said, going, you were pranked. I was like, damn, Taylor's I saw multiple tweets. Inside information. This was a troll. This it's was a tr- an effective troll platform started by multiple people that said Ringo Starr was dead. He was not dead. Now, I didn't know that the Liverpool wasn't where Abbey Road was where they walked across. That is in London. Right. Not in Liverpool, but they started in Liverpool. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to go to the club that they were in that they started out at, but it didn't matter. Everybody loves or hates the Beatles. Get over yourself. Isn't it crazy how obsessed everyone is on either side? And they're active for like five, six years. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's It's a defining thing. Um, the Beatles are everywhere. Everyone loves the Beatles. Everyone hates the Beatles. Much like the Queen, Ringo Starr is not dead. We have not killed him. I was very nervous. I was like, GCW is not going to be allowed back. We've killed he's, everyone. He's cool looking here. good. He I looks great. That. He's been doing a tour. <laughs> yeah. He's not even playing drums anymore. He just dances on the stage with his octopus. It's lit. Good for you, Ringo. Good for you, Ringo. Paul McCartney's been dead a long time. He didn't even write the best Paul McCartney song, which is simply having a wonderful Christmas time. I just want to stand by that. Um, Paul McCartney and Wings is not Paul McCartney. I want to add to the Tom Hanks uh, conspiracy theory that we've been slowly oh, building on this podcast. Did you know that he is in a Carly Rae Jepsen music video with Justin Bieber as well? Yeah, that guy's not real. There's no There's way. There's no way. There's no way. There's a lot of celebrities who are added to things via green screen. Geppetto, Tom Hanks is one of them. That's not a real guy. You can't go hang out with that guy. And here, let me give you example B. Chet Hanks, also not real. Let me just clear up the air. Neither of the Hanks boys are real. Now, we didn't have time to go to the Cat Cafe. I was a little disappointed by that. And we did sleep in a a rather long bit on this particular day. But I knew I needed to get down to the venue because we had a big show ahead of us. This is There's something that's beautiful about being Effie, wherein as when a new talent comes across that is a part of our LGBT community... I like to make sure I have a match with them. And that means that I'm guaranteed a lot of matches. 
In, th- in this case, my match had shifted, though, because I was originally supposed to wrestle Visage, who is an eight-year veteran of the UK scene, someone who I've wanted to get over for big gay brunches, who I was not able to because of COVID, and unfortunately, they were out on injury, and they are Liverpool hometown. Like, they live in Liverpool. Oh. So they know the deal. And they had to pull from the show. I said, okay, well, it happens. But luckily, from Scotland... Shay Monet showed up in Liverpool to have a match with Hefe. And I love Shay Monet's gear. I love Shay Monet's attitude. But I got to tell you, it wasn't just Shay Monet there. Because as we stood in the ring, as we awaited this match to start, and we even got a queer ring announcer so that everybody in the ring was kind of queer, except maybe the referee, Visage's music hit. And all of a sudden, we found ourselves in a triple threat. And here's what I want to say. That was more moves than I've done in a single match since 2018. Those kids over in the UK will put some motherfucking shit in a match. There was so much shit in the match. We didn't even do all the shit that was supposed to be in the match. It did get out of control. It did go absolutely bananas. It did go crazy. And guess what? I lost. Well, I didn't lose. I wasn't pinned, Peter. I wasn't submitted. I was outside the ring when the finish happened between these two Uh, talents from the United Kingdom. Now, this show itself, we had the TNT show Thursday night, which featured people from GCW. We had the GCW show Friday night, which featured people from TNT. And now we had TNT versus GCW. And I did not get the win for GCW there. Brett pulled me aside and said I made everyone look like jabronis because I didn't get the win for GCW there. And I'm sorry. I tried my best. But I also didn't get the loss there either. So in this moment, I think it was historic to have these queer talents here and to have them all in the same ring together and working together. Um, I didn't really care who won. Shea Monet came out on top, got a victory over Visage. I was outside the ring. I think I may have assisted in that happening, but it was a crazy match. I hope that if you get the chance to go back and watch that match, you do. The promoter enjoyed it very, very much, which that's always the big, my rules are uh, the same rules given to me by people long before my time. Did the fans like it? Did anyone get hurt? Did the promoter like it? Did you have fun? That's it. As long as you don't hurt anybody, as long as everybody has fun, as long as everybody likes it, what else are you worried about? Mm-hmm. What, are, what are you going to worry about what Dave Meltzer says? Dave Meltzer's, I don't think he's had sex with a woman since 1992. And he may have, and I don't, you know, not the same person as the other guy. I can't remember his name, but Dave Meltzer's a different guy. Stop giving people credence when they couldn't even lace my fucking boots. I measure my matches different than other people. And also, one guy, one guy's opinion, get out of here. That triple threat was sick. The whole show was sick. Alley Catch versus Millie McKenzie was sick. I got to do commentary on this show and was just like on one. I was on top of my shit on commentary. Very proud of the commentary on this show. Had a blast. Um, after the match, Visage said, we should all go out together. Now, Peter, I've been dancing for two whole nights. I've been out on the town walking for three whole nights. My body feels exhausted. But when... Someone as beautiful as Visage says, you got to come out on the town with us. You say, fuck it. We're going to go out on the town. Now, I got to say, Visage came back to the apartment where we, we said, we all got to meet at the apartment. We're near downtown. Come there with us first. Visage got there, and I can't say that it was the most exciting scene. Because on this particular day, and I asked Matt Cardona, I said, Matt Cardona, what's the most pictures you've ever signed in a day? He says, that was the most pictures I've ever signed in a day. While we were there... A few of us agreed to do some additional signing. And 
I was lazy about signing. I'm the fastest signer in the West. I've never met anyone faster at signing autographs than me. And I proved that. I mean, I signed 2,300 pictures in a day. Between posters, between Russell Crate pictures. If you're getting Russell Crate, you're going to get an Effie picture. Between progress pictures. 2,300 in a day. And so when Visage got to the room that night, it was me and Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver and a few others. We're all hanging out. But me and Nick Wayne are slopping through pictures. Like knocking them out as fast as we can so it's not like an exciting vibe in the room yet we're like do we have 20 minutes can we knock these out kill a box of 500 everybody finally shows up and i'm like all right let's finally go out now it takes a while to move with a crew of this size like just it the logistics are difficult and knowing me a noted quick walking homosexual it's frustrating for me to try to keep a group together when I'm just like, I'm feeling like I'm at the front of the kindergarten line and everybody's got to hold their rope. We get outside and Visage has waited around a little bit. You know, we've kind of gotten the energy back up. We're trying to get there. Visage goes, I got to go pick up a paycheck. I'll meet you at the gay bar. I go, oh God. She said, here's the one we're going to. Different than you went to. Meet us there. So it's called the Supersaw Boudoir. The Supersaw Boudoir. Now, I got to tell you, Peter, what's crazy about these bars is they also, at the bar, besides just selling alcohol, they sell poppers at the bar, and they sell vapes at the bar. You can go up to the bar and say, I'll have a double Red Bull of vodka, a vape, and a bottle of poppers, and they'll say, 20 pounds, and you'll go, what? It's insane. I don't drink the Red Bull of vodka. I'm not getting into the other stuff. We went to the Superstar Boudoir, myself, Shay, Cole, Ali Catch, and proceeded to be the hot item. Now, I don't want to say this as like, you know, like sometimes you see girls at the club and they're like, I mean, we're so hot. We're so sexy. Look at us. But like, we couldn't get people to stay away from us. One girl came up to me and she goes, you're the most American man I've ever seen in my whole life. And I said, thank you. And she goes, can I just touch your chest? And I said, yes, you may touch my chest. And I let her. Then, I I can't, I just want to say, we went over like gangbusters for the Brits, okay? I personally danced my ass off, but I also realized we were dancing on a stage area where like people were just staring at us. And like me and Allie, I get it, we're gorgeous. Now, Shane, Shane Cole, cute boys, they're cute boys. Me and Allie are gorgeous. And I don't like realize it fully until we're just like grooving, we're dancing, we're feeling it, we're loving it. And I'm like... Oh my God, everyone's trying to hump us. Like, it's just like one of those things where it's like, you can't escape it. Everyone's trying to tongue on us. And you're like, no, I'm married, please. Someone walked up and said, you know, I already got the compliment. I was like, you're the most American man I've ever seen. Someone said, you're the most gorgeous man I've ever seen in my life. And all I responded with was, that's the devil talking. Don't listen. (laughs) And this bar, like it was gay. It was a gay bar, but it wasn't like a modern age dance mix gay bar because they kept playing like ABBA songs if you want to see me really break it down on a dance floor, put on Does Your Mother Know. Holy shit. Does your mother know that you're out? She does not. She does now, but holy shit. When they just hit ABBA in Liverpool in the dance club in the underground superstar boudoir with the drag queen DJ who is Scottish and wouldn't shut the fuck up. Like every time the beat was about to drop, she'd be like, whatever they say in Scotland. I don't know how to say it. And you'd be like, like, I was so in the zone, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Like, I'd look at her and be like, shut the fuck up. 
but I was in the zone and I was dancing, swatting people off of me. I'm getting my cardio. My body is physically just collapsing in on itself. But the bus is picking us up at 6 a.m. And it's going to be a five-hour bus ride back to Camden, London. And I'm not going to sleep on this bus if I go sleep now. So, like, we better just ride out the lightning. So we keep dancing, waiting for Visage to show up. She said, I'm going to go pick up a paycheck. I did a drag gig earlier. And we'll meet you there. She never came. We spent three and a half hours just dancing, going, she'll be here soon. She'll be here soon. And we're just there waiting while we're dancing. She never came. At a certain point, we're like, it's five in the morning. We probably should go home. We ended up leaving after all of that. Uh, did I leave before anyone? I may have left early again, which is not early. I say this as like, when I leave early, it's not early. But we made our way back and we had to start kind of packing everything up. I continued signing these pictures. And when the bus was coming at 6 a.m., it was the craziest mad dash out of this place I've ever seen. And we're all just cramming shit into bags. All our clothes are ruined and soaked from dancing all three days. Our shit is everywhere. Nobody is together. Everybody's falling apart. They got a bigger bus for us to go back in because we were just such a sloppy mess of people. And we go downstairs to get on this bus after everything has happened. And I'm looking around at everyone. And I'm like, we have to wrestle today. Like, we look like a disaster. And we had this giant bus. We're all carrying around these 8 by 10s now. Four boxes of 8 by 10s just 50 pounds a piece. I'm looking at Cardona. This is where the elevator spot happened. I've been up for days with Jimmy Lloyd. I mean... We're always awake, kind of. And I open that elevator, and we're full of just suitcases and shit. And Cardona's holding his boxes, and Jimmy's with his suitcase, and he just looks at me and goes, bro. And I just close the door. like, you're not getting on here. We don't have room. <laughs> Everybody's waiting outside, and I'm just looking around going, what a mess this has been in Liverpool, and we're not done. Luckily, we all got on this bus. We, we slept almost the whole time. But Tony Deppin did almost get in another fight. We stopped at the same service plaza. And I wanted to have kind of a big British breakfast. So I went to this little stand. And they have like all the classics. And you know, you can get you know toast with marmalade and a nice English full. And uh, I, I had two slices of Victoria sponge, which is a lovely cake to have. These guys kept cutting in front of Tony Deppin while he was trying to order. And he was getting fired up. And I go, Tony, you can't fight the little British grandma. You can't do it. And he's like, just let me in line. Let me in line. It was incredible. Also, the first time we went to the stop, I forgot to mention this. There was a dude who just like was trying to get in a fight with his shirt off. And I almost offered him like, I'll give you a hundred pounds if you just come on the tour with us and just be angry at everything. But then I realized like Tony could be angry at everything for us. He's adorable when he's angry though. He'll hate that I'm saying this. When he gets fired up about stuff, he gets He's just much cuter. He's got his glasses on and he's kind of muscular. He's got a smooth baby face. And he's just like, they're cutting me in line. And you're like, I know. I wish they'd do it more because you're just getting fired up. And it's so cute <laughs> when you do it. I was a zombie at this point, though. Like, just full zombie mode. Shay came with us on the bus, thank God. And we were going to Progress. Now, Progress is in Camden, London which is a whole nother fucking hipster breed of town. And I didn't realize this. I was like, oh, yeah, London, London. This place is another world. It's like a mystical. It's like, where's the place they go in Hogwarts? I want to clarify something I learned about Harry Potter while I was there too. Uh, Diagon Alley, yeah. which is diagonally. Isn't that funny? It's just the word diagonally split up. 
<sighs> I hate Harry Potter. Right. Okay. Let's clear. I want to clear this up because I learned something. And this is, uh, I know, we, I know JK Rowling's a piece of shit. She's a transphobic asshole. Okay. But I did learn this. Every character in the Harry Potter books is trans. Every single character. Yeah. I learned that while I was in London. So sorry to tell you, JK Rowling, we found it out. Every single character in the entire world of Harry Potter is trans. And there's nothing you can do about it, J.K. Rowling, you dumb fucking bitch. Damn. We will never give you another dollar. We will never play with this shit again. We will rewrite the books like Thomas Jefferson did when he took all the bullshit out of the Bible. We will reduce your name to nothingness. We will be excited at the fact that uh, Dr. Seuss wrote all of the Harry Potter books. But every single character in all of your books, because of your hatred, to me and to everyone else, they're trans and we celebrate them. And we look at them no differently, and we honor them, and we give them full rights. And fuck you, J.K. Rowling. You dirty fucking Tory cunt. I learned that phrase over there, too. <laughs> J.K. Rowling is <laughs> a dirty fucking a Tory cunt. Okay? <laughs> and I mean this only positively. Every trans person that has come into my life has been a blessing. And trans people are people, all right? They're allowed to be mad. They're allowed to be angry. They're allowed to be happy. Fuck you, J.K. Rowling. Fuck you and your stupid wizard shit. And guess what? You can't say Dumbledore's gay eight years later and not expect me to let you know that everyone in your entire book series, except for Voldemort, which is you, you fucking bitch, is trans. So fuck you, J.K. Rowling. Go literally fuck yourself. All your books suck. You're an asshole. Fuck you. Okay, I'm done with that. We got to Camden. It reminds me of Diagon Alley where they're having all the treats and things because there's just like nonsense everywhere. People offering you magic powders, people trying to get you to give them money, people ushering you into a corner. I walked into a corner shop though. I tried two iced coffees. I did not realize, Peter, this show was at 3 p.m. I thought it was a night show. So we get off the bus and like I'm kind of in a mood. And I had to apologize later, and I felt bad. We got off the bus, and uh, Brett saw us, because he came in a different car. He still rode in a car. He didn't, like, fly in or do anything crazy. He came in a different car, and he goes, you guys look rough. And I said, oh, I thought you were expecting Motley Crue, not the fucking Wiggles. What are we supposed to look like to you? And I kind of went off. I couldn't find a merch area. I was a little perturbed. I was very tired. At this point, like... I'm exhausted. I'm beat. I'm battered. I'm feeling it. I'm I'm aware of the match I'm going to have next, which is luckily Thursday night, I got to see him in work. And we discussed him on the podcast, which was Tate Mayfair's. Now, here's the problem, Peter. Ugh. It's a huge problem for me and Allie as a tag team. It's a huge problem for me as a singles wrestler. It's an even bigger problem for my lover. I'm very distracted by hot boys. <laughs> Okay, it's a curse. It's honestly a curse. Like basic ass hot dudes, it ruins my life. I'm very distracted. Hilarious. I can't help it. I've been staring at Tate Mayfair's all weekend and his tan ass tight chest and his fucking gold chain and his rings and his strong hands and his beautiful hair. He's got that British mouth that you just want to bite his lips off, but you won't do it because you know your husband's at home and you know he'd want to share him with you. And you know that you don't want to have that moment without him there. Listen, I love my husband so much. I like being next to my husband and we both agree on who's hot. There's something magical about being in a gay relationship where we can both look at each other and go like, they're pretty fucking hot. And he goes, I know. And there's a magic I have with a person I've been with for that long where I remember being 18, 19, and we probably discussed this on here before. And I was like, I'm going to be 
the straightest gay dude ever. I'm not gay. I just suck a little dick, like whatever. And now I'm like, I don't want to have sex with them. I just want to watch them do daily activities. Could you do the laundry? And they're like, in a French maid costume? And I go, no, just as yourself. I just want to watch you do things. And I've become the gayest old queen of all time, where I just look over and I go, my husband thinks you're beautiful. Do you want to come sit near us? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, we just want to watch you from a distance. Tate is distracting. And so I'm already like sleeping on a bus, distracted. I've been dancing at the clubs every night. All right. It's very distracting. Now, progress is technically on Peacock, right? Right. This is the WWE Network. Well, they used to have the WWE Network, and then they got rid of that and got added to Peacock. So now WWE is just a section on Peacock next to Real Housewives of Dubai. Act like y'all are the real deal. I think it'll get better. I'm really happy with what Triple H is doing. But it's fucking hilarious to be a subcategory next to the Real Housewives. It's like, do you want to watch Real Housewives of Dubai, or do you want to watch Saudi Arabia and WWE? You're like, well, maybe our options are getting fucked. Uh, maybe we're maybe our reliance on oil has started to shift our entertainment blend. Either way, uh, they're very kind people, but they are also under a certain censorship in being as a part of the WWE Network. And Effie is an independent creature. I am going to be featured on Netflix. That's beautiful. I will now be featured on Peacock. You will be able in November to look for Effie on the Peacock Network and find him. Here's where the problems came up. I am not nice over email. I'm not nice in person, but I'm. it's hard to pick it up over email that I'm charming. It's hard to be charming over email. That's what I meant to say. They had emailed me previously and said, we can't use your licensed song and we can't use your unlicensed song. The song that was even made for me uh, could not be used. That is like, I know the composer. And like I told the composer, I was like, you shouldn't do this. I'm not going to use this song. But in these certain moments, like on Twitch, if I wrestle, I can use it there. People like the song. I don't give a shit. If it's not Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, I don't give a fuck. And that's why I had emailed them and said, listen, boys, if you're not playing Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John in the electric ballroom, I don't give a fuck what you do. I don't give a fuck if there's a song at all. I don't give a fuck if it's me with a microphone. They said, well, do you have a video package you want us to put on the screen? I said, you're going to put the text, this is Effie, as large as possible. So if you can't get the song, look at the song. So I get there and I say, you didn't tell us what song you wanted. I said, I did. I told you I don't give a fuck. And politely so, I don't give a fuck. And it's cheekier when I say it in person. But they said, well, we could possibly just play the song, but it would have to be dubbed over. Did you see the tweet I had about this, Peter? I don't think. I'm not going to look it have. up. But I, after the match, well, I'll say the tweet in a minute. I said, folks, are you telling me that my entrance is going to be censored by the WWE on Peacock? And they said, yeah. Don't you want them to hear your entrance? And I said, no. I said, even at a GCW show, we don't hardwire it in. We don't hardwire the sound in. Because when you experience the live entry of me coming into a room with Elton John playing over the loudspeakers, it will never measure up to you hearing it on the screen or you seeing it from a distance. It's beautiful, it's fun, it's exciting. But I want to almost hold this as kind of its own jewel of when you see Effie live, you get that experience. Now, this is gonna sound like a dick thing again. Effie doesn't give a fuck where he's streaming when it comes to the wrestling. I am a live performer. Effie is a live wrestler. If y'all wanna film my shit and put it on YouTube, put it on your network, put it where you want, cool. Nothing I do is for anyone on the cameras. Well, maybe one. There's one thing I did that was for the cameras here. We'll get to it. 
Nothing I do is for the cameras. I do it for a live audience. And luckily, I have learned this translates well to the streaming audience and the people watching at home. If the people in the room are having fun with you, it translates. So if I was worried about the stream, I would be missing the people in the room. But if the people in the room are behind what you're doing, it doesn't matter what the stream catches. They'll get it. I said, please censor my music. So luckily, I got to walk out in the electric ballroom where Prince has played, where countless others have played. There's a, pro a plaque for Prince. It's fucking, the amount of buildings me and Prince have both played in is, it's magic. And I'm gonna keep a list and I'm gonna go back and look at all of them because it's more than I think. Like, I'm pretty sure he played Harper's in Detroit too. Okay. I'm pretty sure he played the Viper Room. Yeah, oh, 100%. Like, I'm following in the footsteps of the man who shares my birthday, not just Mick Foley. Also, Mick Foley said the other day that uh, we should ban German suplexes uh, from wrestling because they're very bad for health. And to that, I say, Mick Foley, you jumped off buildings and you jumped off cages and you got your ear ripped off uh, by a steel gable. <coughs> you invented deathmatch wrestling. Calm down, son. I took a lot of Germans this weekend just to fuck with him. The electric ballroom got to hear Effie for the first time. And luckily... I want to point out someone that was there who got to meet me at a very ironic moment because Hamish Steele, the creator of Dead End Paranormal Park and the Dead India graphic novels, was there with the director of the show, with two of the show's animators, and with the person he does the podcast with uh, for Kitchen Nightmares, which I was on, to see me wrestle in person. Now, I will be portraying Asmodeus, the demon prince, who is a champion of wrestling, amongst other things that you'll find out that I cannot share. And they got to animate me being this wrestler and animate my voice to this wrestler. And people who have heard the clips, have you heard any of the new clips? Yeah. Good. It's sick. People are saying it doesn't even really sound like you. I don't. I disagree. I know it's me. But there is at least some facet of me acting in this where you can tell that it's not just Effie showing up going, I'm Effie and my voice is here and I'm doing what I can. When I met Hamish on this day, my voice was completely gone. Now, today I'm getting some of my voice back. On Sunday, after four consecutive days of screaming, two of those days without weed, I was just screaming, Peter. When I don't have weed, I want, I want you to know this. If I had Adderall and didn't smoke weed, I could have written 700 novels by now. I figured that out. It's a little uncomfortable to live with. I'm a genius, Peter. But for my own sake... Is that how we're going to write the sequel to the Bible? Oh, yeah. You pick a day... Get okay. me off weed and give me an Adderall. Okay. We'll have the Bible written in about three hours. Excellent. It was insane feeling my brain like that for the first time in a while. And so between all of that screaming, the wrestling screaming, the intensity, turning straight, which is, you know, you scream a lot when you're straight, I've learned. A lot of anger being straight. I had no voice at all. And I said, Hamish, the irony of being in this room with you, where you have brought me in for my voice talents and I have no voice left to give you. It's so funny to me. And he said, I don't care. I don't care. I just want to see you be you. And he gave me a sick gift basket, which I'm going to have to show you some of the stuff, but I got, and this is the most price. There's a lot of really cool stuff in there, including a mug, some enamel pens, some cool stuff. I got a Pauline's park staff shirt, like a green polo that Amazing. they wear at the park. I'm obsessed I am so honored to be permanently a part of the show, to be Asmodeus. It's going to be fucking crazy. You guys have no idea what to expect. I got to see Hamish. I got to see the director. 
And here's what I like to see as well. They got to see the fact that Effie is already a star. And they are about to take Effie into a bigger stratosphere of literally global stardom. This will be airing all over the globe. The world is going to see this. And to see them come into my world of wrestling, and I'll get into the match stuff in a minute. I had such a long, me and Allie had such a long line. And I had a long line during intermission before Allie came out. And then we had another long line. Two nights in a row, I almost got in fights with security. Because my line was long. And they were trying to kick people out before they could get up to me. When I tell you I'm over in England, brother, I am over in England. And I say the whole intermission to sign stuff. And at the end of the show, I say the whole time, security was literally rushing people out, rushing people out. And I'm yelling at them, security, secure me, fuck you. I pay your fucking rent. And I don't want to be a dick like this. But when people have waited to see me for months and years, and it's the difference of 10 minutes of me taking pictures yeah. of people, get the fuck out. And they, the fans even said, the security is notoriously bad here. I'm glad you said something. Because they seemingly listened to me. Because I said, I'm, I sold the tickets tonight, you dumb motherfucker. Back mm-hmm. up. I don't want to be rude to people. It's their job. I get it. But... You're there because you're securing me. I know you want to get out of here. I know you want to go home. It's 8 o'clock. Take a fucking breath. Back to the matter at hand. Tate Mayfairs. I enter to Goodbye Yellow Rick Road, which will be censored on the network. But I think through video technology, we're going to be able to sync up Goodbye Yellow Rick Road to the entrance so you can feel how real it is. I will say this. And this is part of that upgrade. During the entirety of my entrances in the UK... There was an energy level I have not felt ever before. There was a looseness and a calmness and a craziness. And I think when you go back and watch the entrances, just the entrances to start with, it goes into the match. It all kind of mishes together. I'm on another level. Effie is upgraded again. Effie is in a new fucking place. And Peter, I'm going to tell you something. This is a 20-foot ring. I'm fairly certain. It's not an 18. I've wrestled 18s. Are they typically 18? So all week we've been wrestling in a 16. Oh. And sometimes in England they even have 14s. And I've even seen before a 12-foot ring, which is crazy. Makes no sense. Effie, for the first time in a long time, was in a 20-foot ring. They're not, off, they're not often out there. It's what the WWE uses, okay. which is why Progress uses it, because they're a part of that network. Effie is built for a 20-foot ring. Little did I know, my big ass needs 20 feet of ring to get done what I need to get done. And me and Tate Mayfair's had a banger. There was wrestling, submission, intrigue, scandal. I don't want to spoil everything for you, but I will say this. Was I victorious? Possibly not. Was my entire bare ass hanging out to be seen on Peacock TV? Oh, fuck yeah, it was. If they censor it, boy, I'm sorry. But I had my full ass out for the finish of this match. And then I kept pulling my trunks down to show the ref. He had my trunks. He had my trunks. Why did I do this? Because I know that Stephanie monitors Triple H's browsing. And that he's allowed to watch progress matches. So I wanted to help him out. Because I know it's tough. You know, I'm sure you guys work out what you need to work out. It's beautiful. But I want you to pull up Peacock, Triple H. Search it in there. Electric Fantastic, forever yours. Fuck you. Look for that butt because it is shining like the moon out there. And I've learned in comedy, and I believe we've discussed this before, cracks are funny, holes are not. So I kept that thing tight to make sure no holes were revealed. Secondary to that, I do want to say I took a giant dumb bump 
was, you thought I was going to say bump, dump. It sounded like I was going to. I took a giant dumb bump and it was magic. But I will say, hearing the fans scream, win or lose, please come back. Holy fuck. Dude, coming into the UK, I said I'm going to work my ass off. And I did. I worked my fucking ass off. But being able to be there amongst the level of talent that was there and to have people say, please come back and to have people really already know who you are. And if they didn't know, they were there to give you a chance. And they wanted to see it. And they wanted to meet. It was absolutely magnetic to be a part of. I think that this British scene has lost a lot of hope for a while. And rightfully so, I say. But to be back there and to see what progress has become, it is in safe hands now. And they are taking care of their talent. I was taken care of phenomenally. That whole night I was taken care of. And Tate Mayfair's is a hell of a hand. I got to say it. Okay. But he shouldn't have made a video about my punches. Okay. This was, these were the three controversies of John Moxley. One, the kiss, not that big of a controversy. Two, he's masturbating. No, I wasn't. Three, shitty punches. Well, guess what, pal? I'm not going to punch off the head of the world champ. I don't care how much of a sick fuck he is. Calm down. Go watch the punches I gave to Tate Mayfair's. The girls go, looks like he got him a little stiff. They said that to Allie. She goes, it's called Terry fucking. I knew what he said about my punches, and I said, I'll let him feel them. I threw some wily fucking fists at that boy's head. I did some silly spectacle shit. I learned it a long time ago. I can very much so aim my kicks, aim my punches to not touch you even a bit. And I don't care if people see it and go, oh, not even a real kick or a real punch. It doesn't affect my ego in the slightest. But because I am so good at aiming and not hitting you, boy, Tate, you picked the wrong time. I was wailing on that motherfucker. And I was feeling it, and I was in progress, and I was loving it. And you know who my agent was for the match? And this is a little 2K fabe. It was Joel Adamaloni from Birmingham, 0121. And he goes, mate, you're a fucking worker. I said, I know. He goes, you're fucking hilarious. I said, I know. I said, we got to work together. I said, that's the best thing an agent can tell you. They want to have a match with you. We had a great match. Progress was great. I got a massage right after. I get out of the ring, finished up. And this young lady goes, do you want a massage? They have a massage therapist on site. Damn. And I got to go lay down on the massage table. Now we have to bring up someone else too. Chuck Mambo, TK Cooper. I've been a fan for a really long time. Their team now is called Sunshine Machine. They used to do a vlog together called Escaping the Mid Card. I guess they did. They're the Progress Tag Team Champions. I didn't meet Chuck in person before, but I had briefly been in front of TK Cooper before. And I had to admit how embarrassed I was. I said, TK, it's nice to see you again. He said, have we met? I said, briefly once. But you were so tall and handsome and muscular and cool and suave that I didn't even know what to say. I had no clue even what to say to you. And I just admitted this to this guy. I said, I'm just admitting it to you. I had no clue what to say to you, but I'm saying it now. You're an incredible wrestler. You're magical and you're fucking hot, dude. You're gorgeous. You're handsome as fuck. I want to wrestle him so bad, but I really just want him to beat me up. This is the fine line we walk between. I had this conversation too with Shea Purser over the weekend, who is, uh, I believe, bisexual, pansexual. I'm not sure the exact. I think bisexual is the run, but we're all kind of into what we're into. I had the conversation with Shea, and it's the common queer conversation, which is, I don't know if I want you to kiss me or if I want to be you. And you have to figure that out all the time. But I figured it out with Tate Mayfair's. I don't want to be Tate Mayfair's. I just... I just want to hire him to live at my house with us. I think that's what I want. Tate, 
you're right on bloke or whatever they say. I also would like to say there was apparently a member of parliament there and like a Tory member of parliament. And when Spike Trevay, the current progress champion came out, I was real into it at that point. And someone had lent me their cannabis pen. And I was just screaming, Oi, fuck you, you Tory cunt. Just all over the building. And they're like, did you know there was a real Tory parliament member here? And I was like, good. <laughs> good. It was fine. It was beautiful. The progress people took such good care of us. My voice is fading, Peter. You can feel it. I hope my ass shows up on the Peacock Network. There's no greater fucking accomplishment than for me to be on the WWE Network, but it's my ass. Now, folks, I am already on there. I'm not going to tell you where. But it's as a part of a Total Divas episode. You can go find it. I'm on the network. I don't want to discuss it further. But now I will be there again. Progress rule. 20 foot rings rule. Alley Cats rules. My fucking sister in Christ. I love her more than ever. We take care of each other. We look after each other. We didn't tag one time on this. We were more of a unit than we've ever been. We. It is so good to have a friend that close. That is with you on these trips. It is so good to have someone that will give it to you straight. That does not give you bullshit. That will, you know, hold your hand when you need it, but also go wake the fuck up when you need it. And that goes for both of us to each other. And when I found out that she did the commentary on that match and I did commentary on her match, it's just like these little things where we look out for each other, where we're not even having to discuss it. And we're going, I know this will be better if I go do this for her, or I know she wants an iced coffee right now and I'll go bring it. Or I know he wants some food. I'll bring it back for him. She brought me halal one of the nights. She goes, I know you need food. You're being grumpy. Brought me halal. She is my beautiful sister. I'm so sad she's not coming to Japan with me. I think that there's a place for her in Japan. I think that down the line there will be a bigger place for her in Japan. And I hope that uh, people see the value in bringing her over to there because she is one of the best wrestlers in the whole world. She's one of the best at pacing and putting together a match. She is a magnificent wrestler. She's so goddamn entertaining to me in all aspects. And I love her. And... We rode back together. I said bye to everyone. They got us an Uber. Progress is magic. We signed all the pictures. And we ordered Indian food to go together. And we ended the night, all of us, back at the same exact hotel that we started at. And we ordered an Indian, as they say, and had it delivered. They have the best fucking tikka masala. You should have an Indian while you're here. That's what they say. I'm not like, it's, it's weird. I was like, yeah, we'll have an Indian restaurant deliver food. We're not going to have an Indian. This is very odd. We should take you to have an Indian. What? Very weird. Shay, you know, got home on his own, but me and Ali took that Uber back together to the Ibis by the airport. And all of us went outside and it was me and Cologne and John Wayne had left, but everyone else was still there. So Jimmy and Tony and Jordan and Blake and, uh, Myself, Allie, MLJ, everybody's out there. Everybody's vibing. We were listening to recordings of Tony Duppin's farts. Turns out Tony Duppin does like two things, his kids and his farts. That's what I learned. Turns out also, guys, straight guys record their farts a lot. I've learned. Interesting. You've never felt the urge to record a fart. No. Turns out X-Pac records all of his farts. People on the podcast will understand this. So they thought it was okay. Like, There's a big culture for fart recording. I just want to say that Jimmy Lloyd is one of the most underappreciated people in all of wrestling. Jimmy Lloyd told me a story and it started and he kept telling this story. And this is one story of one day in the life of Jimmy Lloyd. And he tells it to me and I said, Jimmy, I don't think you can ever repeat this story to anyone, 
but it's the funniest story I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm going to tell you the story later. I don't think anyone can hear. I think legally, I just don't want to be in charge of telling people this story. Nothing. It's not that bad, but it's just like, it's Jimmy's story to tell. Is it minisode worthy or is this even a bridge too far? Maybe not. I don't know. It might be too dark even for a minisode. If someone gave, the joke was that during the time this story was happening, that one Brandon Kirk, you may know him as Brandon Cattall, wife of famous deathmatch wrestler Casey Cattall, was filming his life of where they give a wrestler a GoPro and they film for like a month and then they edit it to be a show. He goes, if I had just taken his GoPro and recorded my whole day instead of leaving it with him, they would actually had the best episode of TV they'd ever had in one single day. And he was right. It just keeps going. And at one point, the point that is there's a public clip of in the middle of all of this, Jimmy has a thumbtacks and carpet strips match in front of 15 people with two Australian guys in the middle of this story. And there's a clip of him where he's supposed to be doing a swanton off the top onto these guys, and he's wearing slippery shoes, so he trips, and he falls. And everybody looks at the clip, and they go, oh, Jimmy, he's funny, he fell off, and he's bad at wrestling. But when you hear the entire story, this clip, this one clip of Jimmy just kind of falling off the top rope on this guy's legs, becomes the center of the funniest story I've ever heard. And I just want to say to people, if you dismiss the talents of Jimmy Lloyd you're missing out on the genius of all geniuses. He is the smartest wrestler I've ever met. He knows everything about wrestling. And the second you think you know more than Jimmy Lloyd, he's already won because he is more aware and more uh, competent with what is going on around you than you could ever be. It's incredible. God bless Jimmy Lloyd. I woke up the next day. I was supposed to share an Uber with MLJ. He didn't wake up. He got on a different flight. He decided. I took a beautiful Uber to Heathrow. I got through customs. I got on my plane, and I watched a movie, man, while I was waiting for my pills to set in, my, my sleepy time pills, which on the way there, I went with, you know, the uh, old American way of Z-Quill and weed, and on the way home, I went with, they just have a pharmacy where you sell pills. Now, back to the queen. There were a lot of flights that were delayed because of the queen's funeral, which was actually happening on that Monday. At 8 o'clock in the electric ballroom after progress, before we ate our Indian, before we got our Uber, while I have a line out the building, out the building, the line is wrapped all around the bar, out the building to meet Effie and Allie. Real deal. The security comes up again, and I'm about to get fired up. And he goes, so I just want to let you know we're doing a moment of silence at 8 p.m. I said, what? He said, the entire city of London is doing a moment of silence at 8 p.m. no matter where you are. At 8 p.m. exactly, the city went silent. Everyone in line went silent. Everyone was silent for one single minute. It was bizarre. It was so weird. And it reminded me again that I was in the UK in a time where strange things are occurring. And I hope that I can continue being this kind of gay Forrest Gump figure where everywhere I go, history moves forward. And it felt like history was moving forward for the UK. Uh, My mom said, I said, Mom, what do you want for the UK? She said, if you see a newspaper with the queen on it, grab it. And if you see any of the currency that still has Elizabeth on there, grab me some. I said, okay. And she goes, because I don't want to see that money after they put ugly ass Charles on there. <laughs> and I said, mom. And she said, I don't like him. And I said, all right, I get it now. I get it now. I get it. I got her a beautiful magazine with the queen on it. We're in the airport though. All the stores are closed. Everything's closed because of the queen. 
Every two minutes, they go, we're going to be having a moment of silence for the queen. We will let you know when it begins. Every two minutes, they say this. Just letting you know when it's going to begin. This is at the airport the next day. Jesus. Now, the weird thing about the British airports is you don't know your gate until an hour before your flight. You just all sit in the middle. And when it's an hour before your flight, they tell you your gate. They don't want people hawking at the gates. So I went into the store and I got some mega paprika Lay's chips, a bunch of caramel chocolate uh, cookies, and some sleep pills. And I went my ass to bed on that plane. I didn't fall asleep quite yet, though. I saw a movie. Have you heard of the film After Yang? Colin Farrell, A24 film. It is a very dark sci-fi movie about androids in the future that malfunction. And that's all I'm going to say about it. If you're not into really weird, dark movies, like we were discussing Under the Skin earlier, it is sort of of that vein with a little less darkness and no aliens or anything. It is intense. It was wild. And as it set in on sleeping pills, I made it through this whole film and then I collapsed on this plane. And on both flights to and from the UK, I had a middle seat open. Me and my person had a middle seat open on both of these flights. They let me put my bag in the middle. I slept on both flights, both eight and a half hour flights. I watched after Yang and passed out. That sounds, I love Colin Farrell. He is one of the greatest actors of all time. Uh, Absolutely. How Did This Get Made was doing a rewatch of Daredevil the other day. Uh And he played Bullseye, I think. Oh, yeah. And he was kind of a joke for a minute, I think, because of that. But, like, if you haven't seen Killing of a Sacred Lamb, like, go fuck yourself and watch it. But this Colin Farrell is, like, watching him communicate with a child and sort of seeing, like, there's such a depth to Colin Farrell when he's giving a sentence to a child where you can tell, like, I don't know. It's just, it's magic. Like they got this Android to help with their child. They adopted to like help her learn about her culture of Mandarin. And then the Android malfunctions. And it's like, it's a lot, but Colin Farrell is like, he's the one. There's also a really beautiful dance scene and an original song by Mitski in this movie. It's really worth watching. It's so atmospheric. It is beautiful. It asks a lot of questions. It gets weirder than you think. After Yang, I didn't see a lot of fanfare with it when it came out. So when I saw it pop up on the screen, I was like, can I stay up long enough for this? I've eaten two sleeping pills. I may have liked it more because I ate two sleeping pills, but it was very phenomenal. I really enjoyed it. We're going to talk about a different film on the mini set this week. Uh, Patreon.com slash Weekend at Effie's. Uh, we're going to talk about Mad God. Are you familiar? <gasps> yes. Have you seen it yet? I have not. Oh my God. Oh my no, fucking God. I've been waiting like a decade for Dude, this. Dude. Oh my fucking God. It is, it's everything. We're going to get into that. I loved the UK. I will be back in the UK. GCW is coming back next year, but I'm trying to come back as soon as I can. Anyone who wants to bring me to the UK, I'm ready to go. The flight's easy. I sleep the whole time. I have so much fun in the UK. I miss my bruvs and lassies already. I miss doing all the weird shit. And I just want to say, like you said earlier, I can't wait for the collapse of America to where it hits the fuck it level of UK because they don't give a fuck and it is phenomenal. Peter, what do you got? What's going on, baby? I've missed you. I feel like we've been gone from each other for a long time here. It's time got weird this month. It's both. I can't believe that it's already the 21st and also it feels like it's been at least a month since I've seen you. It has been a hell of a time since we've seen each other and I think it's going to feel like a very far time before I see you. And I need you, Peter, 
I need you to hang in there and keep it together because when I come back from Japan, I'm going to need my Peter. I need my Peter. Uh, I'm going to get you some cool shit in Japan, though, whether you please, like it or not. I would love that. Trust. Trust. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's been... I, I hope everyone's hanging in there with this. I've it's had tough. I've had people reach out and go, I loved, I loved the the guide on retrograde. Explains why everything's fucked up It's right fucked now. up. Like, Hang yeah. in there. I had one of the roughest weeks of my life, you know, a week or two ago. I feel a little bit back together. I feel a little bit on a new plane. Retrogrades work a little different for me, I think. Mm -hmm. But please hang in there. I think reality works a little bit differently for you. Well, Peter, that's uh, that's a that's a statement if I've ever heard one. <laughs> um, when I get back from Japan, you know what I'm going to try to do? I'm going to try that? to go see Father John Misty before I go to Atlantic City. I have tickets to see Father John Misty two days after I come back from Japan, and then I'm going to Atlantic City. Uh I don't know what I'm doing in AC, but I'm excited to be back in the showboat. But I think I'm more excited about hitting a point where I can take a weekend off of wrestling, which doesn't even sound like a lot, but a weekend is going to make a little difference. So it's a long time coming. It's a long time till then. We're going to talk before then. But just know, like, I, I am feeling every bit of this year as it has come and hit me. So we'll see where it goes. All right. Let's do some questions. Hi, Peter and Effie. First, Effie, watching those England England matches on fight, those rings looked a bit smaller than the rings in the U.S. Was that the case? If so, does that make matches easier or harder? Second, what are your dogs going to dress up as for Halloween? Oh, my goodness. This is fantastic. Yes, yeah, so we were working in a 16-foot ring. Typically, GCW uses an 18-foot ring most of the time. WWE obviously uses a 20-foot ring most of the time. In Europe, in England, they have smaller rings, smaller buildings. They've got to fit in there. Progress obviously had that big 20-foot ring, which was phenomenal. I like to get in a ring before I wrestle in it almost every time. I don't need to bump in the ring. I don't need to necessarily go around in the ring. If you think you have an idea of how your spots are going to be positioned or how they feel in a ring, but you haven't been inside of it yet, you're wrong. There have been many times where I'm like, I'm going to do this and this tonight, and then I get in the ring I'm using, and I go, that's not capable at all. Or you get in the ring for the first time when you're having the match, and you're like, oh, my God, my shit's not going to work here, be it rope density or be it you know, the bounce or be it the type of you know the way the aprons are. It can differ ring to ring to ring to ring, and that's one of the difficulties of indie wrestling. I never have a standard ring. And so luckily we had the same ring for three nights, Great padding on it, good ropes, tight ropes where I could go all the way through. I did the tarantula spot and tried to eat Session Moss Pussy through the tarantula, which was a lot. But then by Sunday, using that 20-foot ring, I was like, oh my God, I feel set free. So it differs definitely, but yes, typically European rings are a little bit smaller. And because of that, there's a lot more of that grappling kind of wrestling, but I think that we, we made it work either way. And especially when it comes to stuff like deathmatch, they don't care how big the ring is. They're going to make it work. They're going to make it happen. They are smaller, though. I hope you could feel my intensity in those England matches, though. I felt very intense. I felt very there. I felt very present and very with the people. And I appreciate everyone who watched from home and everyone who was there screaming along. The amount of people who came up to me and said they listened to the podcast or they watched the Twitch in another country. Fucking incredible. Thank you to all of you. It, it's incredible to see that like there are people out there who are listening to us all over. They know who you are, Peter. In England, weird. it's fucking weird. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, okay, rank 
best things you ate in England and worst. Okay, easy. Um, mushy peas are my fucking pinnacle. I, I was right, not expecting that. Preface with this. I didn't realize that like when we were growing up, my we weren't poor by any means. We were cheap. And so we would never buy guacamole. My mom would make pea guacamole. So she would buy a bag of frozen peas with cilantro, lemon juice, a little, little Mexican spice, salt and pepper. And you grind it up and you eat it cool like guacamole. And I always thought it was better than guacamole. I was like, I don't want guacamole. I want pia-mole. So this mushy peas gives me that same like home style taste of like when I used to eat yeah, pia-mole, which is a weird word. With my mother. So, yes, British bushy peas. <laughs> Did you call it piamoli? Piamoli. <laughs> it's called piamoli. It's the best food I've ever eaten. I love piamoli. I keep calling my mom and I'm like, give me the recipe. She's like, baby, it's frozen peas and cilantro and lime. What, what do you mean the recipe? It's guacamole with peas instead of guacamole. I love it. The fish and chips was great, but you know what? Like, I've had fried fish everywhere. The meat pies were phenomenal. Mm. I will say this. I did not like the chicken and cheese patties from Greg's. It was like, it was like Alfredo sauce and chicken inside of a pasty. Not really into that. I did really, really like the meat pies though. I love the meat pies. The Indian takeout was, I had a lamb tikka masala with garlic naan. Like everybody was complaining about the food. I was looking at what they were eating and I was like, no wonder like they were all eating like Mac McDonald's and shit. I had a chicken satay at a fucking rest area. It was better than most things I've ever eaten in my whole life. I had vegan options that were great. Anyone who tells you British food is not good is not eating the right British food. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to say. I had so much good food there. And, you know, like like most things in Britain, the good shit they've taken from other places. Yeah. So you can find anything like there. they've made it the best. Yes. Yes. And it's like... The London food scene, the Liverpool food scene, even the barbecue. I mean, the worst thing we had kind of was like the mac and cheese was not great. But who the fuck's going to England to try their mac and no, cheese? yeah. You know, the brisket was done right. I loved it. I thought it was phenomenal. It is a night city, though. We were at the restaurants. And I was like, how do these restaurants stay open? And then you go out at night and you're like, holy fuck. This place is wall to wall with people. It's kind of insane. The McDonald's are never good. They elsewhere. like the McDonald's. I will say this. You know, obviously they call them chips. They're not good at French fries over there. They're not. They're not good at that. They overcook them every time. They don't season them well. Um, I did. I did have some blood pudding, which is one of my favorite things. Uh, it's one thing I kind of inherited from my uncle. Is I'll kind of eat anything. You know, he's a weirdo brain surgeon, and I'm a weirdo brain surgeon in a different way. I drop people on their heads. Maybe they require surgery afterwards. But we both have a big hankering for raw oysters and blood pudding. So I had a blood pudding burger. I'll just I'll eat blood pudding anytime, which a lot of people think it's just blood. It's blood and oatmeal and all these other things that you mix in. It's fucking phenomenal. Black pudding, they call it there too. But, you know, you can call it blood pudding. I love that shit. The richness. You know, much like a vampire, Peter, we've discussed this. I have to be invited places, which is why I haven't done a UK tour before. But also, I do drink blood to stay alive. And so that's how I'm also like a vampire. And I drink a lot of black pudding. All right, lastly, let's just get a summary on the UK trip. This is a big, you know, this was your first time overseas? It's my first time overseas with wrestling. Now, I've taken vacations before to be a drunk asshole or whatever. But this is in a professional In a professional sense, this is the first time I've been given a work visa to go overseas to do my professional job as an entertainer. Yes. So how was it? It was incredible, Peter. What I'm finding is that... 
Effie is something that can globally reach. And I think this was the first minor step in seeing that for myself in a culture that has, I mean, I showed up and they already had my t-shirts. They already had my shirts on. They already knew who I was. They knew what I was doing. And I was able to go out there and wrestle my style. I was able to be myself. I wasn't, I wasn't having to show them who Effie was for the first time. I was getting to show them who else Effie was, what other things Effie could do. I mean, go watch the Martina match. The reason I went straight is so that we could have some serious wrestling stuff in there too. We did some real wrestling. I had a phenomenal triple threat match with two LGBTQ talents who were on the rise. I think that as people look back in wrestling and look on wrestling, what they're going to find is Effie is more of a mirror and a reflection to what is around him. Effie is a conduit to bringing these things together. And so Effie understands the assignment, so to say. Wherever Effie is placed into, I can make the most of that situation, whether it's to put over a new talent and make them look strong, whether it's to get someone's heat up while I'm there, whether it's to give someone a reburst of energy in their character field, whether it's to tell someone to trust their gut on things and not listen to the people who told you everything. I think that as I go forward, the confidence that I have had and the confidence that the GCW roster has and the confidence that we have in our style of wrestling, as we go global and take that around, I hope that the rest of the world can follow in that same confidence because it's something that wrestling is lacking uh, in a very big way right now. There are a lot of people who are not trusting in themselves that you think would. And I need us to trust our guts a little bit. And I need us to say that if you're not sore in the back and doing the work in the ring, that you probably don't have as much say as I do. Sorry. I need you to realize that uh, Hulk Hogan was not a good person, but he got the job done. And he made sure that he was taken care of. If we could do that in a way that would take care of all of us, that would take care of each other, that would make it difficult for people to fuck on us, so to say, that they've been doing for a long time, I think that we'd be in a better place because... There is a brother and sisterhood and family feeling to the people who are in the ring where I can meet someone for the first time and have an instant connection with them because we share this bond. No matter if we're from Birmingham, England or fucking Montreal, Canada, or if we're from Australia or Japan or Mexico or wherever we're from, the people we're meeting, we have this instant bond because of our work in professional wrestling. And I think that if we open ourselves up to being a little bit vulnerable, to taking suggestions, to learning about each other, the wrestling's only going to grow. And if our confidence can lead other people that way, then that's phenomenal. But it makes me want to wrestle everywhere. We had people, who, they came up to me and they're like, we came to see you from Austria, from Germany, from Italy, from five hours away, from all over. And you're going, this is absurd. We should be going to all of these places. They need wrestling. They know us. During the pandemic, who else was running? Europe couldn't run. The other countries couldn't run. Japan wasn't running with fans. GCW was being watched globally because we were taking the risk and running. We were making fans wear masks and come to the shows. We were putting out global pay-per-views. And to kind of have that cemented and stamped on us in a way to say, like, you guys were there during the pandemic when nobody else was. And you look back and you go, we were idiots for doing it. We probably were. But we also changed the wrestling industry completely. There's no denying that. You can look back on where wrestling was before the pandemic and after. Game Changer Wrestling changed the entirety of the wrestling industry. Look at it. Feel it. There's a lot of things coming back now. But there's a lot of things that are different than they were before. And there's a lot of differences in the way that talent is going to be treated going forward, I think. And I think that working with the companies we did, we were taken care of in a, in a really professional way by everyone. And we were also taken care of in a lot of other ways. And to have the trust from the companies for us to do whatever we want. For me to be a dick to progress and go, I don't give a fuck, dub my music. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to hang my ass out. And they go, you're effie, you're phenomenal, do it. The people will love it. There's a trust level being gained back. 
and don't be Hulk Hogan, but trusting yourself enough to where if someone's a little nervous to piss you off, boy, they should be. If someone thinks that you're going to get mad at their suggestions, good. Because at the end of the day, as a professional, I'm always going to do the right thing for the fans and the product. If that means hanging out a little ass, well, hell, that's what they needed. We're bringing the heat. I'm going back to the UK as soon as I can. I'm about to be in Japan for the first time in my whole life. You know, this is going to sound corny as fuck, but it's true. Everybody keeps asking me what I want to do and see in Japan. And Peter, they're not going to believe me when I say this. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a single fuck what I do or see in Japan. Do you know what I care about, Peter? What's that? It's been my partner's lifelong goal to step foot in the country of Japan. He took Japanese courses for two years in no high school shit. and college. He has studied anime and manga his whole life. He watches every anime that's ever out there. He has practiced religiously his Japanese. And for him to get to come on this trip, that's more important to me than anything. And he jokes and says, oh, as long as I see a temple. But I know the deal. And I know that I'm going to give him the best trip of his whole life. And he's nervous. And he should be a little nervous. we got to leave the dogs back. I'm nervous because I have to go die, kind of. <laughs> but... To get to give him this trip, I mean, we've been together. It'll be eight years next April Damn. that we've been together. And so to give him this trip to Japan that he's always dreamed of and be able to take him to all these places, it is magic. And it is going to be so beautiful. And whatever I see, I will see. I don't care as long as he is there and having fun. I did remind him, though, that if he sells extra pictures and shirts, we can buy more stuff to bring home. I said, look, the more you sell, the more space we have in the suitcase and the more money we have. So please, please sell away. 